The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Run Ragavans. Yep. But then I have to buy Ragavans. Yep. I don't want to do that. <laughs> we used to get excited discarding Arrogant Worm to Wild Monk. You called it. The, yep. Our first set of 2022, Kamigawa Neon Dynasty. Yep, Cyberpunk is coming to magic, and Jake hates it. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel, proud members of the Planesockers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. How you yep. doing today, Matt? Not too bad. Tuesday's my day off, so it's a good time to uh, record. I'm usually in a much better mood on Tuesdays than I am on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, or Sunday. Yep. Actually got a day off today. You were pretty worried about it. Yeah, so we had a, we had a couple people calling off, leaving. Yep, almost had to pull a fifteen day work week or fourteen day work week. Yeah, those suck. But we got Labor Day coming up, so that'll give everybody a much needed I, rest. Uh, the UPS guy hit me up the other day in elevator and was like, "You guys aren't working on Monday, are you?" And I was like, "Dude, we we work every day. What do you mean?" He's like, "It's Labor Day," and I was like, oh, "Labor Day, we get a day off." <laughs> yep. I don't keep track of that stuff because it's just like. And we get like five a year. So yeah, I was really kind of shocked yesterday that we have a day off coming up. So I'm really excited about that. Yep. Get a three day weekend for a lot of our guys. Yep. So not me. That'll help out a lot. Not me. I'll get still one day off that one. week. No, I'm working Saturday. Yep. So I'll get me a two day weekend. Got at least you got a free two day. I still though. get my two day weekend. Yep. There you go. It's a win. I had a good day today. Thanks for not asking. Uh, the weather here is finally broke. We had a day where it was only like 87 degrees. Didn't have, I checked it if feels like 88 or whatever yep so but, reasonable humidity yeah, last week we had a lot of feels like 105s so on top of having a relatively light day with a jumper helping me out we had a nice day of weather so i'm actually in a really good mood myself yep the weather for the rest of the week is supposed to be pretty good so it should make what we do quite a bit easier yep. and then i'm you know i'm really ho- i really got a lot of hope today that campus might be kind of breaking where we're kind of past the worst of it we're starting to get less to do the kids are back they're kind of getting settled into their routine everyone has their mattress everyone has their mattress <laughs> in their dresser yeah so really excited about that all right well let's talk some magic then uh we're gonna start with legacy today uh just going over the legacy metagame like we do every week just to give everybody a good idea what's going on trying to track trends and whatnot just a really brief While, overview we're not going to yeah. go through you know each individual deck list but yeah what's doing See if good. there's any spice Look at the most played cards, stuff like that. So we've got the Legacy Challenge for Saturday. So we've got Blue Red Delver, Show and Tell, Lands. Looks like a Jeskai list. What's uh, Jeskai? So the uh, Blue, Red, and White. So it's probably Jeskai Tempo. So probably right. something like a Ragavan. Was it like yeah, new so Ragavan still? Murktide, Dragon Rage Channeler, uh, Snapcaster Mage. And uh, Monastery Mentor. Gotcha. So that's, no Ragavans in that one, though. The, so yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, Jeskai right now is kind of all over the place where you've seen you've seen Ragavan Standstill with Jeskai. You've seen basically Blue Red Delver with Prismatic Ending. And now we're even seeing no Ragavans but Monastery Mentor. So that's interesting. Yeah, that's uh, that's actually kind of a interesting list. you got uh, the running Predicts. And that's in third place? Uh, Yes, that was third. Or, sorry, fourth. Still? Yeah. I mean, made the semifinals. Kind of a interesting take with predict. Um, I'm not looking at the list myself. What's the payoff? Or is that's it- what I'm. I don't see any. You don't. There's no. I mean, the payoff is drawing two cards. Mm-hmm. You can obviously stack your deck reasonably well between ponder uh, and brainstorm. Yeah, but I've never um, seen predict do really well in my opinion. When you're having to set it up yourself like that. I yeah, mean, it's it's you're, incon- you're looking at three mana and you're going. You're even on cards. Yeah. So I'm not a huge fan of predict. Obviously, this guy piloted it. To some success, uh, that doesn't necessarily mean it was the right call, but... I mean, um, he's doing something right. No Ragavan, huh? Nope, no Ragavan. Because I can see, because Ragavan has kind of made a resurgence of Predict, because Ragavan letting you... Well, no, that wouldn't work, because you don't see your opponent's top card, you exile yeah. it. Yep. So, I think this this Jeskai list looks like it's just running the best... It's running Modern Horizon 2 hits. So you got DRC, Dragon Rage Taylor. Murktide, uh Regent, and Prismatic Ending... All cobbled together, just trying to use some of the most powerful cards in Legacy to, yeah. you know, use them and as best they can. Supporting it with a little bit of card advantage through Predict and some selection with the cantrips in general. Then you got a... In fairness, I guess we should say what Predict does, because you don't even see it that often. One in a blue for an instant, you 
name the top you name a card and you basically choose in a player and if the card you named is the top card of their library they put it in the graveyard and you draw two cards yeah otherwise you just draw a card yeah so okay. if you know it's on top of your library or your opponent's library it becomes a two mana draw two otherwise it's a two mana draw one an instant yep which is why uh traditionally you would see predict in miracles lists mm-hmm. since they're they're going to be spending plenty of time manipulating the top of their deck anyways. Uh, I mean, it got to the point where Predict was so prevalent that a lot of decks were splitting their basic lands between snow lands. So snow covered planes, if you're like playing Death and Taxes and planes, because there's a little bit of EV there not being able to predict the top card. Because if I predict planes and the top of your library is a snow covered planes, I do not get to draw to. Correct. And Predict, talking about Miracles, uh, most Miracles lists run Counterbalance, or at least they used to. And that's where the real like payoff comes from, because Counterbalance lets you constantly look at the top card of your library. Yeah. So, in my opinion, using Predict with Brainstorm, for example, isn't worth it. Like I just said, you're paying one mana for Brainstorm, and then two mana for Predict. So it's three mana to draw two. Divination isn't that great, and this is a little better than Divination. Yeah. But when you have cards in your deck that let you see the top card for free, like Counterbalance. Yep. And that that list did have Counterbalance. I didn't. It's just. It's kind of a weird list. Cool. It, you don't normally, it's kind of like a miracles list, but you take out Terminus and add in creatures so you can actually commit to the board. It's um, it's interesting I may, that Terminus is getting a cut with how creature heavy magic is, but that makes sense since the format is kind of accelerating and how quick these creatures come down. You have to be putting down creatures yourself to stand in front of them. So that's probably why we're cutting Terminus because you have to take this creature heavy stance. Yep. And that's one of the things you and I have always talked about is an answer or a threat is never bad. A threat's always a threat. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ragavan can win the game. He's always Ragavan. He'll always kill uh, an opponent eventually. Top decking Terminus, either too early or too late. It requires setup. Sometimes it doesn't line up. You know, if your opponent's playing Planeswalkers and you have Terminus, it's a dead card. Yep. If you're new to Legacy Terminus, it's a six-mana board wipe, essentially. It puts all creatures on the bottom of opponent's libraries. But if you draw it as the first card you've drawn for this turn, whether it be your turn or your opponent's turn, you get to play it, essentially, at instant speed for one white mana. It's kind of the premier legacy board wipe, considering it's one white mana to tuck every creature. And in in Miracles list, it's almost always one-sided. Yeah. Because at most, you're going to have like a Snapcaster Mage on board. Almost never run creatures until we're winning the game. Yeah. And at that point, you're not worried about your (laughs) casting your Terminuses. But it's so, I mean, that's basically what they've done is they've taken a control shell, taken out some of the hard control elements and replaced them with some of the uh, very powerful creatures that were printed in Modern Horizons too. Interesting. Well, let's. Uh, you can tell how much yep. we're interested in this deck that we peeled off our top eight to yeah, talk I mean, about it's a, it. It's an cool. interesting looking deck. It's got a lot of cards that we both like. Some of the cards we Don't. aren't big fans of, but I mean, you got to play the game. Yep. Um, the next list is a mono, uh, mono blue Karn, not Karn. Yeah, Karn list. So it's got the Karn, em- Sign of Urza. Emery. Yeah, Emery, Urza, Psy, Walking Ballista. It's actually... It's not quite an old school affinity list because this, those cards have just been power crept out, but it is even running a uh, thought monitor two two flyer affinity for artifacts. Yep. So I think it costs like thought cast. six and a blue, but yeah. So the deck's got a full 21 artifacts. Uh, most of them cost zero. Uh, a couple of them cost one. So it's going to, you know, dump the board. I'm guessing or dump your some, hand onto the board. We've got some bobbles in there because yeah. Emery. Mishra's bobble, Mox Amber, Mox Opal, Urza's bobble. Lotus Petal, Chalice of the Void. Those bobbles are what allow you to start grinding value. Emery letting yep. you replay them every turn. And they yep. do Not, something, draw a card. Yep, and they, they go towards your thought or your uh, affinity cards. Mm-hmm. So it's going to make your your uh, Mishra's Bobble is going to count towards affinity, uh, sacrifice it to get a card, come back into play with uh, Emery, and it's also it's also running Thoughtcast too. So it's it's a, this deck effectively has seven Thoughtcasts in it. So it's going to be churning through its own, itself very quickly. Is there a combo win in there? What's the win we see? Um, Let me see here. It doesn't have anything specific as far as combos. I so mean, it's got, kind of hard to believe that's beating to death with a 2-2 in the air with uh, Thought Monitor. But maybe. Nothing in the main board. It's got Retrofit or Foundry. Hmm, interesting. What's yeah. the Karn Wishboard look like? Uh, it's not even that Karn. It's Karn. So here's here's your win. Uh, it's Karn Scion of Urza, not... uh. The other Karn. That's seven Karn? Not. Oh, Karn the Great Creator is seven Yeah, Karn. Not, Karn, not Karn the Great. Or, it's not the one that has uh, Null Rod on it. 
So this one is the four mana, five loyalty, reel the top two cards of your library, an opponent chooses one, you put a silver counter on, you put that one into your hand and you put a silver counter on the other. Uh, you can pay minus one to get the card with a silver counter get on any it. card with a silver counter. Yeah. And then you can minus two it to make a construct, the Ur basically the Urza Saga construct. Mm. And that's also what this deck is running. That's hilarious. So it's basically got Urza Saga, four of them, three more Karn mm -hmm. Cyan Urza. So it's effectively got seven of these constructs. Con Karnstruct machines. Yes. I think it's hilarious that you just referred to Karn as making the Urza Saga Karnstruct. Yep. When it's called a Karnstruct, because Karn was the first card that made them. Yep, it sure is. Uh, and, and Urza Saga is a far more relevant <laughs> card. <laughs> Karn's in one deck, Urza Saga is in dozens. <laughs> People are starting to reference, yeah, oh, Karn makes yep. that thing Urza Saga makes. And it's like, no, Correct. Urza Saga makes the thing Karn makes. Yeah. All right, I'm sorry, continue. Yeah, so then you got Jeskai Standstill, which is, uh, uh, we've talked about before. Um, that monkey still? Uh, yes. So it's going to try to leverage uh, Ragavan and Standstill to draw some extra cards, create some value there. Uh, it's going to abuse, this is an Urza Saga list, so it's the interaction between Urza Saga and Standstill can't be overstated. Like, just being able to play that, and okay, I've got my two-mana Ancestral Recall sitting on the board. I'm going to still develop my deck, or my uh, board state through Urza Saga, and then if you cast anything to deal with Urza Saga, I'm going to draw three cards. Exactly. Um, I think Urza Saga was, without a doubt, the best addition to Standstill. In a long time. I mean, absolutely. Uh, Shark Typhoon was a great addition and kind of revived the deck from obscurity. And I, I there's even running Shark, Shark Typhoon. Don't, yeah, we've lost that entirely first. Uh, for the Saga. Because it's such an amazing card in that deck. Uh, and then Murktide Regent to kind of go over top, you know, is your big kind of finisher for the end of the game. I'm sure it's running a ton of control elements. So that Murktide's always going to be. Yeah, Brainstorm, Ponder, Prismatic Ending, Stifle, Swords, Days, Force of Will. So if, you, if you've a, ever played against a standstill deck, it is very much trying to stop you from playing magic at all. Yep. And we're punishing you severely for it. I mean, standstill, I don't know if everybody knows, it's a two-mana enchantment, and it basically says the whoever plays a spell first lets their opponent draw three cards. Yeah. You sacrifice it. But Hence the name standstill. Like, I'm going to play this, and we're just going to sit here looking at each other making land drops. Exactly. So any way to break that parity, where if you can play it, ideally when I have a creature and my opponent doesn't, I can kill them. But now you can play it when the board is empty and just draw until you find your Urza Saga, and that'll make creatures without casting a spell. Yep. Yeah, and traditional land, or, uh, standstill decks would run uh, Mishra's Factory in order to kind of get around that. So you get a couple Mishra's mm -hmm. Factories out. You can either swing for four or three, depending on what's more advantageous given their blocking situation. Um, but m the main point is you have ways to get two twos and three threes onto the field without casting spells you just hit your yeah. land drops and start swinging often called man lands yeah lands that turn into creatures and urza saga is while not itself a man land arguably the best man land ever oh, printed. by by far uh it's yeah it doesn't turn itself into a land or a creature but it makes creatures at a far more efficient rate than any of the others uh next up you got abzan and Tran or uh enchantress um Pretty standard list. Interesting to see Enchantress putting up points in Legacy. Yep. And that's one of the things, for all the critiques we have of the metagame, that is one of the things that this current metagame does allow is there's still room for Tier 2 and Tier 3 decks to come in and, you know, if the player's running hot, still Top 8 a challenge, that kind of thing. So, again, Legacy is still the format where if you commit to a deck, you learn in, in and out, you can still do well, even as the metagame shifts. Mm -hmm. um, that's been true the entire time, even after... Modern Horizons uh, 2 came into the format. But what happens with these Modern Horizon cards is the top decks tend to solidify a little bit more. But you still have plenty of room for, you know, Enchantress, mm -hmm. which is a fun deck. And then the uh, 8 was, you know, Enchantress. I hate isn't playing against Enchantress Delver. so much. So you got two Delver decks, um, what we would call traditional Delver decks. Jeskai Tempo is fairly close to a Delver deck. Mm -hmm. I kind of lump those together. It's yeah, they're... Splashing into a white for better removal makes sense, but, like, I think we've seen a lot in... When Delver when Delver meta start to stagnate, Delver starts finding ways to beat Delver, and that yep. usually involves adding a third color, or a fourth color, even. So I'm not surprised at all to see Jeskai Delver coming out, or Jeskai Tempo. Yeah, it's just a slightly less aggressive version yep. to have... That can, to play a little better cards. Trying to go over the top of... Blue, red, Delver, the aggressive variant. Well, the original. Yep. So. And that was our Saturday challenge or our Sunday yep, challenge? Yeah, that was Saturday. That was kind uh, of a wide field. 
Yeah. A lot of Modern Horizons 2 cards, which we're not super excited to see. But as far as a meta goes, a relatively wide field. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That happens when you make these super powerful cards that go in every single deck. Right. Correct. Now, uh, next up, we've got the Sunday Challenge. Uh, top eight of Miracles, Land, Delver, Standstill. Uh, again, a Jeskai. Looks like Jeskai Tempo. A looks probably green-white depths. Let me check the list here. And then um, another Jeskai Tempo deck. And then looks like Painter Servant. Okay. Interesting. So again, another relatively niche deck with Painter Servant making it into the top eight. Yeah. So it looks like there's some there's a little bit of breathing room for these kind of like obscure combo dice. So, so what I'm happy to see in Legacy right now is we're moving away from a blue-red Delver format. And I think that's because people are aggressively fighting against it. Yeah. So I'm happy to see that Rock, Paper, Scissors kind of coming into Legacy where Delver was on the top for a little while and it's starting to get beaten down by people being prepared for it. I'm happy about that. I'm still kind of bummed out at how much these Modern Horizons 2 cards are still kind of dominating Legacy. But the alternative is both could be happening. We could have a blue-red Delver format dominated by Modern Horizons 2 cards. So I'm happy to see some movement in the direction I like. That's awesome. Yeah, and then, and there's a very clear... Uh, so just looking at the top 30, 32 as far as percentages goes, there's a pretty clear um, top couple decks, especially for like the Sunday Challenge. 15% of the top 32 is, uh, is it Delver, Blue-Red Delver? Uh, that's five decks out of the top 32. A and lot. then the next one is Lands, which has an amazing matchup against Delver. Yeah. So what you're seeing there is the people, there's plenty of Delvers being played. And then again, mm. the decks that are being successful are the ones that have decent matchups. You think Lands still has a great matchup against, against Delver? Because Delver is, I think, a bit faster and a bit more resilient than it used to be. Blue-Red Delver, at least. Number, it's putting up numbers. Yeah. So, I mean, it got That's interesting. second. And, you know what I'm saying? Like, like new Delver yep. plays, I would argue, quite different than old Blue-Red Delver. So the argument that, you know, Lance has a great matchup, I wonder if that still holds true. Yeah. I I imagine a lot of it just comes from the, uh, like, all Lance needs to do is basically buy, like, a turn or two. So if they could tweak their list a little bit just to slow Delver down by a turn give themselves an extra turn to stabilize. And then that's really all it's going to take because they're, I mean, they're racing and, out merit lage, aren't they? Yeah. They're not only do they have merit lage, but they also are running Urza saga. So they've got, they themselves mm -hmm. um, lands itself got a pretty decent boost. Uh, it's got tabernacle, which is great mm -hmm. against Delver. I mean, a lot of these things, you just need to live long enough to answer what they have going on. And then you've got punishing fire and life from the loam to take over the game. So assuming they don't get out a very fast Merktide Regent, all of your answers are going to line up pretty well against their threats. That makes sense. So you just got to buy some time. Uh, and then just hope you dodge uh, some of the major combo <laughs> matchups. Yeah. <laughs> you know, dodge Storm. It's a, yeah, a non-blue deck that wins in the long game. Probably doesn't beat Reanimator very well. Yeah. Although it does have Caracas, I'll bet. So maybe. Yeah, I mean, they they definitely have outs, but and that's, that's the way the entire meta is. Yeah. There's no... There's hardly ever any matchups that are even s more lopsided than like 70 30. Most matchups are in the 64 60 40 split kind of range, and then they fall kind of somewhere in between there, as long as you're talking about like yeah. serious decks. So, yeah, um, looks like Urza Saga has helped doing the heavy lifting in Painter Servant. Yep. So, that's kind of what you're seeing. Makes sense. Where you just got tutors out one of its pieces. Yep. yep. Tutors out one of its pieces is a good card for, you know, the games. A lot of people don't that don't play Legacy don't realize that a lot of games last a lot longer than you would think. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. So, like, having the ability at very little cost to just make a couple three threes for for effectively mm -hmm. free is a pretty big deal as a, you know, a plan C in a combo deck. A lot of people that come from Standard and Modern 2, like, are a little more used to the games going long. And there's kind of this boogeyman hanging over Legacy that you just expect you're, you're playing a turn two format. Yeah. And that can happen for sure. But a lot of the decks are prepared for that and they try and stop that. I mean, that's your control and tempo decks are trying very hard to force the games into turns four, five, six, and seven. And they really can slow down to a just a slug fest. Yep. So. so if you're getting into Legacy, which, I mean, first of all, congrats. I'm really happy to have you here. Play proxy, play online. Yep. Yeah, be prepared for if you want to play a glass cannon combo deck. I mean, they're great. We're looking at tons of them in the top eight. 
But if you like playing control or mid-range, there are decks for you. And you can oh, totally force these games to go long and capitalize on little bits of advantage. Yep. And if you're like me, you'll do both and play a mid-rangey mm-hmm. combo deck called Elves, which uh, put up three uh, three decks into the top 32. So that's if you're, that's probably its best showing. If you're looking to get into Legacy and like what deck to try, if you don't have like a clear play style you like, like for my example, I like playing Control. Whether it's the best deck or not, I like playing control. But if you guys want to play some stuff, look at decks that have grinding potential, the ability to go long with what we call I win buttons. You know, you have the ability to play the long game, to grind out value, to put creatures on the board and kill your opponent on turn 8, 9, 10 if you have to. Or if you get lucky or your deck kind of does its thing really well, just win on turn 3. Yep, Those are the best decks in the format in my opinion. They may be less consistent, but those are the best. And if you're talking about going to a tournament and trying to spike the tournament and essentially go, you know, 8-0, those are going to be the games that you should not have won, but you get to push that I win button on turn 5 because you just got lucky. Yep. Every now and then you just draw a hand that makes you, Mm -hmm. you know, that combos off with Dark Depths on turn 2. That does happen. And I mean, we were just talking about how that's not very common. It's not super common. A lot of these decks are built to do that, but they're built to do that in a vacuum, and then your opponent's deck is built yeah. to stop that. So, you know, the guy may make his uh, Merit Lage token on turn two, and then you just have Swords to Plowships. Yep. Like, there are answers to these. The The games are, the vast majority of the time, there's a good, solid back, to, back and forth mm-hmm. going on. But, yeah, I mean, playing a deck that will give you some free wins, especially as a beginner, is great. I, like, I, I would recommend Show and Tell to anybody mm-hmm. who just wants to test Legacy out. And see some decks because it's fun to play. It's fun to drop Emrakul on turn two. Um, I wouldn't buy if, into it, but I'd absolutely proxy 15 it. Emrakul, dude. Not, yes. not 13 Emrakul. Yes. So you just, you know, turn two show and tell. Yep. And that beats a lot of decks. It does. It definitely does. What I would say is uh, you will never win the lottery if you don't play. And right. so those kind of opening hands where it's just like, oh, crap, I just won. That's You won the lottery, kind of. Yep. And I'll tell you an example. My Blue-White Miracles deck cannot win the lottery because i don't play it yep that deck is absolutely never going to kill its opponent on turn absolutely three. not so that's a that and that's a price i pay for the i mean deck the I earliest want. that turn that uh deck can even attack traditionally speaking would be turn four if you you know if you curve out perfectly you mm-hmm. drop a monastery mentor on turn three somehow it survives whether you protect it or you just get lucky turn four drop a couple cantrips swing with a four four yes with a four maybe i'll drop a snapcaster on turn two targeting nothing and hit for two right so. but you know, that on the the other side of that is that deck is going to force the game to mm-hmm. go long so that it has the opportunity to wield some of those yep. slower cards. I'm forcing decks to play a long game and hoping that I can play a better long game. Yeah, so you've got uh, Elves was the third most played, or the third most, uh, not necessarily most played, but in this particular one, Elves was number three with three decks in the top 32. Then you've got a smattering of other decks, um, Standstill, Jeskai Tempo, uh, Green White Depths, and then basically other stuff, you know, Death and Taxes, Burn, and mm-hmm. stuff like that. So We were looking at our most played cards, and this kind of reiterates what we're talking about, where we're relatively happy with the kinds of decks we're seeing right now, for the most part. Yeah. I am, I won't speak for you, I guess, but we're relatively unhappy with the types of cards we're seeing right now. Yeah, so if you look at the most played cards in the top 32, you get down to seven, it's Ragavan, Prismatic Ending, Dragon Rage Channeler, and Murktide Regent. So four of the top ten cards were printed two months ago, yep. and those are they're they're pretty big percentages too. Yeah, and that's um, I said we're not upset that those cards exist. We're upset that they're so prevalent and were printed so recently, right? In a format that's designed to play older stuff. Eternal. It's supposed to be yes. you know unchanging. And I think we said this before. If we if we're still talking about this in three years, and and that top ten cards right there is almost the same. Then you're you're not going to hear me complain about Ragavan anymore, particularly. Yeah, like I'm upset that Ragavan came out and shook up the entire meta when it was printed, you know, two months ago. Yeah, that's fine. and that's that's evidence to say that it's probably overtuned. Yeah, that's basically what we're saying. But if they don't overtune another card for three years, cool. Then we're back to kind of being an eternal format where you know what your Ragavans are a good investment. They're not going right. anywhere. They're not going to be power creeped out. They're not going to be banned. That's what I want to see. Yep, and if you want some more uh, data to back that up, if you just go down to creatures, first, Ragavan, second, uh, DRC, third, Merktide Regent, and then fourth is Endurance, which is 
came out of the same set mm -hmm. and it's basically designed to beat those cards yep. so where's the first and then fifth is delver of secrets so fifth so the most common creature in legacy is now fifth. is ragavan and it's in 31 percent what i mean is what used to be the most common delver is now fifth. Delver. yep so that's kind of what we're we're bummed out about when it comes to legacy but i'm happy to see the metagame shaking out in a better place i just love to see some of these cards kind of get filtered out so we'll see what happens I'll talk about some of these uh, top eights in modern now. Matt, you want to pull up on your computer? I'm on my phone. You'll be able to see the card percentages better. Yeah. It's yeah. hard for me to kind of switch between those yeah. screens. Yep. But we'll talk about the modern challenge we had on. Let me make sure I'm starting on Saturday. So on Saturday, I think we had a really interesting challenge in modern. Uh, top eight, indomitable creativity, basically trying to power out Velamachus and take infinite turns, which is yep. cool. Jund, I didn't know it was 2005. We have Jund in the top eight. Well, yep. Yeah, we have uh, Crashing Footfalls, which often it would call it, I think it's Crash Cating Footfalls is what I've heard it called because it's, mm -hmm. you know, you cascading into Footfalls. Hammer Time, uh, looks like a Control Deck, Blue, White, Red. Uh, Demir Mill, Mill's in the top eight. More, uh, another Crashing Footfalls, another Jund. So I think a pretty cool modern metagame and especially super different than what we saw last week we were talking yeah. so like yep. we were talking about last week how modern was in a pretty cool spot i think this backs that up modern looks like a pretty fun place on saturday yeah sunday on the other hand yeah i don't think sunday was nearly as good of a modern challenge where we had um looks like black green white sacrifice hammer time and then is it tempo is it tempo is it tempo crashing footfalls mill and tron yeah um, just to throw out some numbers real quick, of the top 32, 21%, seven total decks were Is It Tempo, and That's a lot. six, 18%, were Jund. So, which is traditionally speaking going to have a pretty decent matchup against, assuming the card, the card, relative card power mm -hmm. is roughly equal, Jund's going to have a pretty decent matchup against. Because Jund uh, is all uh, about removal and disruption, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Jund is play the best removal, play the best threats. It's a little bit slower. Uh, it's going to take its time because it's got card quality there. Um, the Fundamentally, the problem with these tempo cards uh, is that they've combined quality and uh, efficiency as far as cost goes. So you, Usually there's a trade-off So you mean there. something like Merktite Regent where you aren't getting a 3-3 three, three flyer for 3. Yeah. You're getting an 8-8 eight, eight flyer for 2. Correct. I mean, that's or, just how good does it get. Yep. And then same thing with uh, Dragon Rage Channeler. You've got a... It's, you know, you're getting extra card selection. It's a three-three flyer. It does have to attack each turn. That's not a problem. One mana if, comes down turn you know, one. You've got plenty of removal in the deck, so you just clear the way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's that's fundamentally what's wrong there. Is you're supposed to be able, you're supposed to be required in Magic to choose between cost and power, and these cards break that rule. Yeah. And so. I don't complain as much seeing the Modern Horizon cards in Modern because yeah. Yeah, they mean, were made for it. You, you yeah. hear us complain a lot about seeing these MH2 cards in Legacy. Modern is still an eternal format, and I'd like to see it be a little more stable than this. But I'm not as upset about seeing these cards prevalent. Yeah. I am still, we're still upset about the power of them. But this Modern Challenge on Sunday, which we've talked about, is kind of usually your more powerful, your more aggressive challenge. Is definitely a little more stale. I mean, seeing three is a tempo decks. A couple combo decks. I kind of put Hammer Time and Crashing Footfalls suit. Well, Crashing Footfalls probably isn't combo. That's yeah. That particular deck isn't really a combo deck. I'm thinking of Living End is Living End. Living is End a, is definitely a combo. Yeah. Deck. So the Crashing Footfalls, Demir Mill is kind of cool. No, I don't think anyone likes seeing Tron come in. Mono Green Tron, but well, at this point, I mean, what are you going to complain? The the Tron guy still has to pay three for his threat if you go with the <laughs> you know the traditional tap. He at least tap you know, three lands. One plus one plus one equals seven. Yeah. <laughs> You know, Ragavan still only cost one. Yeah, he still he turn one. I mean, by the time you're tapping for seven mana, you're, I mean, gosh, your Ragavan player has five. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we don't normally bring up users and whoever's playing here, but whoever that guy is, he probably knows his Tron deck pretty well. Yeah. He's the only Tron deck here. Yeah, he, <laughs> so, he's probably a veteran that knows what he's doing. Yep, and that's that's something that Legacy is known for and Modern is known for, at least it used to be. Where you pick a deck, you become a master mm -hmm. of it, and you can show up and, you know, if you're the Tron guy, then you can show up and kick some I think butt. that's still there. I think there's still a, the world of, you know, you, you're better off learning your deck than playing whatever won the challenge last week. You know, I think if you've learned to play Death and Taxes, even though Death and Taxes may not be in the best spot, I think you're better off rolling in with DNT 
than sleeving up a blue-red Delver list that won the challenge two weeks ago. Yeah, yeah I would agree there in general. Um, my point about Modern would be that used to be the case because the metagame was so stable as well. Mm -hmm. But when the metagame is wildly shifting every time they print a new set, mm -hmm. then it's hard to commit to a deck. Yeah, it's true. Because, you know, your deck could literally be obsolete yep. next month, yeah. the next time they release a set. So in principle, it's still true. But... <laughs> It depends on how fast they're printing cards like Ragavan. I was thinking about my blue white. I have a blue white red miracles list, and I was like, "Man, I've got, I've got one volcanic island. I run Ragavans. Yep. But then I have to buy Ragavans, and I don't yep. want to do that. <laughs> I, that's basically what I've got about modern. Um, I don't think the Sunday challenge looks that much fun to play in with how much is it tempo there is, especially in the top eight. Yeah, unless you're playing Jun. Unless you're playing Jun, which was also <laughs> put a couple of, but um, I guess Jun was on more on Saturday, but yeah. Saturday looks like a really fun place. So I'm not going to, I'm, if I see two challenges that vastly differ from each other, I'm going to say the the meta isn't, isn't screwed. Right. We're, we definitely have some ups and downs here, but I think modern's in a decent place. I think legacy is in a better place than it was two weeks ago. I'd like to see it keep moving in this direction of diversity. And we avoid the, it, people talk about the, the homogenizing down where all the decks are just running the same cards, which they kind of are, but, at least we're still running a lot of different key strategies. So I'm eager to see where this develops. Yep. I am. I, my head is a little higher than it was in past weeks, to be honest with you. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's still some problematic cards, but as long as legacy is a very strong, powerful format. So if it can self-regulate it, mm -hmm. the metagame, that would be ideal. We banning cards should be the last resort. Yes. It always it always negatively affects someone. That's one of the things a lot of people don't like to talk about when they talk about banning cards is, oh, well, it'll fix the metagame. Yeah, well, it also literally destroys people's decks, their time, their money. A lot of people have emotional investment into their decks. They take it very seriously. So you don't want to have to ban cards unless it absolutely is necessary. I was building four-color control when Elko and Ashley had been, been legal for, you know, basically a year. Yep, and uh, I wasn't totally bummed out when they banned Doko. I was prepared for that. They banned Astrolabe. It ruined my week. Yep, I did not see that coming, and it ruined the entirety of my week. Yeah, and the thing is, is even in your particular case, you were able to recover fairly mm -hmm. well because the core of your deck was still pretty strong. But there are decks that have just been banned out of existence, and when that happened, could you imagine if they banned Tendrils of Agony? They right. won't. But if they did, yep. congratulations, those LEDs. Wishclaw Talismans, the entirety of that deck is trash. Yes. I should say trash, but it takes a huge, I mean, it doesn't, doesn't, doesn't transition yeah. into something very easily. I mean, an, an even better example would be something like Elves, where yeah. Elves has, they ban no, Cradle. Yeah. They ban either Cradle, Glimpse of Nature, or Natural Order. Any one of those three, and Elves is no longer a tournament deck. And then the worst thing about Elves, none of the cards in Elves transition to other decks. Mm -hmm. So you have a pile of what was 60 cards. And instead of it being 54 with a ban, which would be what some of these other decks are, it's now zero. There yep. are now zero playable cards in this deck. When Justice League came out, did you see the movie posters where people were joking and they would show they would show the Justice League mm -hmm. and they would say Justice League at 100 percent. And then they would take out all the characters except Superman and they would say Justice League at 99 percent. Yeah. And that's kind of what like you're talking about. Elves is a great deck. You pull out Natural Order. Elves is not a deck. Yep. So... It hurts people. at least in at least in competitive formats. And that's like I've heard some people talk about their their pro pushing the envelope and banning cards as a result in lieu of playing conservatively when it comes to card design. I very much disagree because bannings have a huge emotional impact, monetary impact and like morale impact. When Splinter Twin got banned out of modern, there are people who never played Magic mm -hmm. again and it's the same thing. You know, I'm sure people... I'm, Oko got banned, what, three different times? Yep. Every single time he got banned, there were probably people who never played Magic again. That price just drops. I mean, Correct. you can go on now. I want you to go on now and pick a card that you think is relatively expensive, listener or Matt, and look at it. And, you know, let's say it's, we'll make it a legacy staple. Let's say Force of Will. Force of Will is like 100 bucks. Yep. If they ban Force of Will tomorrow, every single one of those shops selling Force of Will just lost... Hundreds of dollars. Hundreds of dollars. Well, I mean, a perfect example of this that actually happened, and this wasn't even in 
a huge format as far as competitive magic goes, but Hole Breacher was banned in EDH. Yep. And Hole Breacher went from a $30 card down to like a $10 yeah. card overnight. I lost $50 overnight. Yep. And, and that was a relatively innocuous ban. And in a lot of people's opinion, a warranted ban. Like Hole Breachers in EDH, the ban list is not designed around competitive play. It's about having uh, casual people having a good time at Magic. I could talk. For better or worse. I could argue an hour on how dumb that ban was in my opinion. Yes. And I would agree with you. But from the rules committee standpoint, mm -hmm. they go Hole Breacher is an unfun card. It does. It violates many of the same rules that Leopold does. And Leopold is banned where it just creates these game states, which are just awful for three out of the four people. So we're going to get rid of that. Well, they did that and, you know, maybe justified, maybe not. But now people lose hundreds of dollars. Yep. I had just bought in a couple more for uh, Legacy. Because yeah. the metagame was shifting a little bit, and it looked like uh, this was before Modern Horizons 2. It looked like Cold Breacher might be mm -hmm. something to use. So I was picking up a couple, and then a couple weeks later, it got banned. Yeah, I mean, you can hop on a TCG now, and there's there's 500 Hole Breachers for sale. Every one of those card shops, presumably they had at the time, they lose a lot of money. And if you're pro card shop like we are, I'm very anti-ban, because card shops kind of, they invest in your cards in the good faith that they will be worth money next month. Yeah. And when we when we get in the habit of just banning cards, you're going to and it's probably not going to put any particular card shop out of business, but it's not good for them. Yep. And that's there's there were plenty of people who were immediately calling for Ragavan bans. Mm -hmm. Same thing with uh, Dragon Rage Chandler. And I've even seen some Merktide Regent people. Those are far, far fewer people. But to be perfectly honest, I mean, if you ban Ragavan, they just fill it with Delver and Merktide mm -hmm. Region still there. It's still a very powerful card and a card that probably shouldn't exist. But they were doing that a week after these cards were printed. Yeah. It's like, yes, they are clearly o overpowered, but we should probably dial back the band talk. Yeah, we can't. You can't scream the sky is falling the day they come out, guys. Right. And the, one of the reasons, that's always happened, but I think one of the reasons that's gotten more prevalent is it's worked the last two or three times in Standard. We had Omnath banned, I think, three days after its paper release. Because it had two weeks online and people screamed at the top of their lungs. The sky was falling. Wizards listened and banned the card. Yep. We've gotten wizards in this reactionary mode where if we scream loud enough, they will ban cards. So people are screaming. Yep. And then uh, the flip side of that is some of those, uh, part of that is wizards' fault. Yes. They print stuff like Omnath, who was very clearly broken. If I remember correctly, they did one tournament and wasn't I believe almost was every deck 75% I think was an yeah, Omnath, was an Omnath deck so it was very clearly very clear that in the current meta Omnath was too powerful in, in the top 8 I think 6 of the 8 top 8s were Omnath and Omnath never lost to a non-Omnath deck in the top 8 yeah two, I want to say like Gruul Aggro and something else made it to the top 8 they both lost immediately to Omnath and if you watched them play did you watch any of the like, yes I've watched it's um, there was only amazing. so much I could do with with watching standard at that, I was just like, I was looking at that going, we used to get excited discarding Arrogant Worm to Wild Mongrel. And we'd be like, oh my gosh, a three mana, four, four trampler, and my Wild Mongrel becomes a three, three for, till the end of turn. That's amazing. Yeah. And like, then you look at this and it's like, that guy just drew 10 cards this turn. <laughs> like, I remember the joke was, it was a limitation of the, of the arena client. It was hard to see all the cards you had access to mm -hmm. casting between playing multiple into the stories, mm -hmm. play, having your hand of five cards, having multiple cards on adventure. Like it was hard to scroll through everything. I think they're Genesis ultimatum yeah, drawing I mean, you five cards on any given turn. You have access to half your deck. Yeah. So, so like wizards is printing these and wizards is following that print it powerful ban it later. And I just disagree with that. I don't think that's the way we should be printing cards. Yeah. I think we should be play testing more aggressively. I think we should be designing in a more like strict way that we don't have to ban cards later. Well, and the, the other thing about that that I don't think people talk about enough is, quite frankly, it makes powerful cards boring. Mm -hmm. Like, it would be exciting if Ragavan was was printed and we hadn't seen anything like him for the past two or three years, as opposed to just being another notch in the same power creep yeah. belt, where it's just like, oh, now we're up, this is what we get for one mana now. Yeah. Because in the current state of things, we know within the next couple of years, there's probably going to be something on par with them. The perfect example of that would be Ethereal Forger, and then literally less than a year later, I think, maybe a year and a half, you have Merktide Regent, which are very similar cards, only Merktide Regent is head and shoulders better mm -hmm. than Ethereal Forger. Forager. So it's, it's hard to get excited about powerful cards when they're coming down the pipe 
all the time. I don't think you can draw a direct line between Ethereal Forager and Murktide Regent. Now I'm gonna say Murktide Regent is a better card, but they do offer very different things. Whereas Ethereal Forager offers you card advantage, Murktide Regent offers you well, a when game I'm, winning board. My comparison there though is look at what it costs. So I mean the cards are I mean yeah. they're they same mana cost, they're using delves, they're doing you know, Murktide Regent is a turns the cards you, you know, delve away into uh power. Ethereal Forger gives you value, but you're looking you it's very clear which one's better. Yeah, yeah. You look at your So you you go, okay, having your, you know, delve advantage mm -hmm. card, it wasn't good enough that he was a three three. So let's try making him an eight. Yeah, we'll remove the advantage, <laughs> and, but make yeah, him an eight. You look at him, I mean you could if you took the cards and took the text off, they'd look identical because <laughs> they're they clearly one either the same guy designed them both or the guy who designed the second one was looking at the first one and went, how can I power this up a little bit? And the thing is, Forager was seeing some play before Murktide Region. So it was clearly a legacy playable card. And then it got totally eclipsed by the newest, latest, greatest card. It had just come in to replace Dreadhorde. Dreadhorde had gotten exactly. banned and it had come in to kind of pull the weight. Yep. And then it got immediately replaced with an 8-8 flyer. Right. That also gets bigger if you manage to cast a second one. Right. Some people recognize that if you cast Murktide on turn five and it's a five five, it has that a clause where if you if any of your instant sorceries, instants or sorceries leave your graveyard, it gets bigger. So your second Murktide makes your first Murktide bigger. <laughs> if it, well, that would explain why everybody's running four of them. Yeah, too. exactly. And it's one of those things. It's kind of it's it's crazy to think that they, they don't stack well. It's you have to delve your graveyard to get it. You don't want to play two Gurmag anglers, but the payoff is so huge that if you can refill your graveyard, you turn your eight eight into a thirteen thirteen. Yep. It also pairs really well with Endurance. I mean, imagine if you Endurance your graveyard away. Oh, I'm going to put those six instants back in my deck. They leave your graveyard. Your Murktide that was a 6-6 no, six, six is a 12-12. Yeah. Yep. And that was, the touching on that a little bit, just as a general deck building exercise, a lot of times people will talk about uh, non-bows, basically, cards mm -hmm. that don't work well together. So looking at it, something that, you know, two Gurmag Anglers... They, they seem like they'd be a nombo. Like, you don't want to get two of those, right? Because they're both utilizing the same resource. What happens, a good example of where the rubber kind of met the road here was back in the day, uh, people were running Delver decks and using Snapcaster Mage. And when Treasure Cruise came out, people were like, well, I don't know if I want to run Treasure Cruise because it makes my Snapcaster Mage work mm -hmm. worse. Well, the answer is, you cut Snapcaster Mage mm -hmm. <laughs> because Treasure Cruise is so powerful. There's that ancestral so, recall. Correct. So like you got to you have to keep that kind of stuff in mind. Like that just kind of made me think about it where it's like you have to pick like if you've got one way to utilize this resource, you pick the best way to do it and then you just leave everything else behind. So if you're going to use Treasure Cruise, you don't need Snapcaster Mage because yep. Snapcaster Mage is trying to do the same thing. He's trying to get you a free card. Well, Treasure Cruise gets you three cards for one mana. Pretty good. So we don't need Snapcaster yeah. Mage anymore. And that's that's an instance of I mean, Snapcaster Mage still sees play. It's an incredibly powerful card very well-designed card and it's just like nope we're not running that because we can play ancestral recall yeah. so we don't need to we can just let that go before we get too too far off I, I would be remiss if we didn't at least mention the leaving a legacy open that went off this most recent saturday i think it was saturday yeah. probably the first large paper legacy event with some like legitimate advertising yep oh, I mean, it's almost 100 people yeah. in 18 months 96 no, yeah, yeah. And so I don't have the deck list in front of me. I don't think they've been posted yet. If they had, we're too stupid to find it because we spent 20 minutes on the internet trying to find yep. them. And we are quite stupid, though. But I'll run through. We've got Blue Red Delver in first. Pretty cool. Trinity Tell. Presumably some form of prison deck trying to cast Show and Tell. Yep. Which it would make sense if you're trying to force. I mean, Trinity makes me think of show of uh, Trinisphere. Yeah. So if you're trying to force a Trinisphere early to shut down any kind of tempo deck... Yep, makes sense. And then finish it with yeah, show and I mean, tell. Resolved, it resolved. Uh, Trinisphere would just be backbreaking against exactly. something like Delver. Um, Epic Gamble, so mono red storm, uh, yep. really sometimes resilient and fast combo deck. That's probably I almost guarantee mainboarding pyroblast. Yep. Mono black world gorger. I was really happy to see that world yeah. gorger combo is pretty cool. Yep. That's a cool thing to see in the top. I eight. wonder how many games he intentionally drew. Oh yeah, that's because <laughs> you yeah the, now that you can do it in paper. World gorger dragon and animate dead create infinite loop that either prevent the game from winning or from ending or end the game outright. So yeah. pretty cool there. Hogak. Cool to see Hogak in a top eight. Green White Depths, Urza, Bomberman, and Blue Red Delver again. We were talking about like this is the kind of hyper diverse top eight I'm not happy to see. 
Because what I see is a lot of combo. I see blue red Delver. I see combo, combo, combo. Hogak is kind of grindy combo. Yep. Combo, blue red Delver. Yeah. So that's a, in my opinion, that's the kind of hidden in your face diverse metagame that is not diverse. Yep. And then it's it's very similar to what was going on a couple years ago in Modern, where everyone was clamoring about how diverse Modern was. But if you look at what was going on, it was a whole lot of basically very aggressive linear kind of decks that just ignored their opponent. I mean, the phrase that got uh, used a lot back then was two ships passing each other at, at night, where it's just like, I don't care what my opponent's doing. He doesn't care what I'm doing. We're just racing to 20 damage or whatever. Legacy is not nearly that bad. There's even within these combo decks, there's still plenty of interaction. Most of the combo decks are blue. Almost all of them are going to run Force of Will. So you're going to have back and forth in those. I always refer to that as playing Solitaire. Yeah. yeah. So if you've played Standard, think of Emergent Ultimatum. Yeah. The yeah. Emergent Ultimatum decks where they're trying to get to seven man and cast Emergent Ultimatum. And win the game. The idea is, I mean, they might, they're trying to kill some of your creatures and they, they their whole goal is to not lose until they make their thing happen. Yeah. They don't really care what you're, they don't really care about the board state you're putting together. They don't really care about the combo you're assembling. They care about not dying until turn seven or six and casting their thing and winning. Yeah. So that's that solitaire mentality that most people usually don't like because the point of magic is that push and pull, making the right plays at the right times. Whereas Emergent Ultimatum is the best example of I cast seven mana and win. Yep. Yeah. And that's one of the things you got to get to watch out for when you're just looking at metagames is it's not enough to have a bunch of different types of decks. I mean, you could, Good. you could, in theory, you could think of a metagame that had 20 playable decks and was completely unfun to play. Mm -hmm. Like, that's something that could happen, like, if we're just theory crafting here. And that's one of the things you have to watch out for when you see a bunch of decks. And we're, we're pro-diversity as far as deck goes, as far as decks, deck lists go. But they need to be, they need to create good gameplay. Yeah. Because at its core, Magic isn't looking over deck lists and, you know, playing in tournaments to win money it's a game it's pick you're supposed to have fun and if the metagame's not fun why are you playing picking a deck you like to play right. that is hopefully good and playing yeah i mean like i don't really want to play a meta where i have to play these tier decks otherwise there's no point in showing up i want to play a deck i think it's fun right that's what i want fun decks to be good and a lot of the measure looking at some of the fun decks are becoming are good Yep. I just don't like the cards in the fun decks as much because the fun decks are becoming 40% Modern Horizons 2. We were talking one day about whether or not elves would ever splash for Ragavan. Mm -hmm. And I was looking through lists and um, a lot of players uh, will splash white for Archon of the Valor's Reach. Yeah. There were a couple lists that were in their sideboard bringing in Prismatic Endings. <laughs> I've seen that. <laughs> in elves, which is like the idea of running that to me is just I remember silly. I saw... I was watching the Legacy Pit, which that Legacy Pit opens coming up in a few weeks. I'm hoping to see some good decks there. Yep. Yep. We're not playing in it, unfortunately. But I saw they were playing. They have a resident elf that plays. Uh, his name's Sit. Mm -hmm. David Sittinger. He's a really good elves player. I mean, he has foiled out elves. And when I say yep. foiled out elves, I mean he has foiled Gaia's Cradles. Yep. He played, it's like post-board turn six or whatever. And yeah, he flips out a prismatic ending and I was all over the chat. What is that? What are you doing? How is that in there? Yep. When, since when does elves play prismatic ending? And this was weeks ago. Yep. So. And it's just one of those things where, again, the power of these Modern Horizons cards can't be ignored. So yeah. if you can get them in your deck, you should be running them. And elves, uh, it's primarily a green deck. It has almost always, since I've been playing it, has uh, splashed black for sideboard cards. Uh, for the past several years, since Archon of Valor's Reach was printed, it's not unheard of to see uh, green, white, and black. And that, I mean, that that's exactly what you want to do to cast Prismatic Ending. Be running three colors, mm -hmm. have your white. It's a uh, it's a very broad sideboard answer. It, it's kind of like a an even more flexible Abrupt Decay. It's just one of those cards that is good to have. I've, I, I've tried to decide how I feel about Prismatic Ending because I love it as a blue-white control mage. I think the format is worse for having it, as much as I love that card, unfortunately. It's, yeah, it's too good of an answer. We we talked about how you know answers have to be better than threats. I think prismatic ending's too good. It could be. I'm not calling for it to be banned. Yep. But I think it might be. It, I, it definitely it rides that line yeah. of how good an answer. I really can don't want to see a better prismatic ending printed. Oh, yeah, I know. Like this, we need this to be the ceiling because this is yeah. too good. Again, you know, this is. I'm sure we could all come up with something that would be better. But thinking, trying to think of a a card that is as good as prismatic ending 
or maybe slightly worse, but still kind of balanced the way it is. I mean, they really hit it out of the park yeah. with that card. It walks that line of powerful, but not broken. There's cost to it. There's deck building costs to it. It's sorcery speed. Like there's definite, the card definitely has its drawbacks, but it does some very good things. It's a very broad answer. And that's, I mean, that helps so much when you can just be like, yeah, I don't need disenchant yep. anymore, which is dead nine times out of 10 that I draw it. Prismatic ending always kills Delver of Secrets and most of the time kills uh, Choke as well. Yep. So, so. <laughs> I've heard people talking about building decks and theory crafting and they're starting four endings, maybe two or three Swords of Plowshares. Like Swords of Plowshares is the, is the best bar none creature removal we have in Magic. And we're cutting back on that for Prismatic Endings because they're so much better. Yep. That, the sorcery speed and mana equivalent removal is just too flexible because it's any non-land permanent. Yep. And it's just, it's very, it's one of those cards that it's very good against these metagames that have a ton of decks in them. Yeah. Like Swords of Plowshares is dead against half the field. Yep. Or about 40% of the field. So why not have Prismatic Endings, which gives you game against some of the others. So I think we're ready to move on. We're going to take a step away from prevalent metagames. I just really wanted to mention that leaving a legacy open. I'm excited to see deck lists. But before we kind of wrap our episode up tonight, which was mostly a meta night we were talking about, there's not a ton of magic news going on. We talked about most of that last week. I did want to bring up some interesting things going on on Arena. Mm -hmm. Matt, how much Arena have you played recently? Uh, none. Gotcha. So I play a decent chunk of Arena. I don't think Arena is magic's best fun or best way to be played. But it is one of the most convenient ways to be played. So I, I tinker around on it and it's relatively free. Arena is the Pop-Tarts of Magic. It sure is, yeah. Um, <laughs> that's a really good way of putting it. Yep. So some interesting things have happened on Arena. Jumpstart Historic Horizons has come out where we put a bunch of historic cards into... into oh, sorry. We put a bunch of Modern Horizon cards into Historic mm -hmm. along with a bunch of the new only exist on Arena cards. A lot of decks are new and cool and interesting. The Davriel's Withering slash Vesper Lark combo. Um, I've seen it be played a couple times. I've seen a lot of people complaining about it on Reddit. It's pretty funny. It's pretty busted. It's a, I mean, I saw a game three Splinter Twin win where it's mm -hmm. turn two, Blood Artist, turn three, Evoke Vesper Lark, play Davriel's Withering, game's over. I saw plenty of games where it was, you know, turn five, six, seven. It's just chock full of removal and it's it's full of, not die cards like I don't die yet and then hoping just to top deck because you can get Davriel out which is just this planeswalker that one of his abilities is start the combo yeah. yeah but pair that with just the ability to basically draw a game winning card yeah. yeah to go from I you know I'm at one life my opponent's at 20 the game is over mm -hmm. you can create those board states really easily where you just need to draw Davriel's withering draw Vesper Lark or collected company which hits them both and a lot of games that just came out of nowhere and won. A lot of people complaining on Reddit about games being forced to draw because if there's no other target, the game cannot proceed. Whenever a thing in Magic happens, it's not optional and just happens forever. The game draws. Yep. So any sort of infinite loop. Yes. You don't really see them very often except in Legacy and you don't even see them often there. The World yeah. Gorger Dragon we talked about earlier creates an infinite loop where basically one thing forces another thing to happen that repeats the process. Yep. yep. And if you don't have a way to break that loop, the game ends. The game just ends. And this Vesper Lark combo where if Vesper Lark is the only thing in your graveyard, it keeps returning itself and it keeps dying because of the Davriel's Withering, the game cannot go forward. And a lot, I've seen a lot of new players because Arena is really geared towards new people, super unsure how this works. Like no one, everyone's kind of confused because the game doesn't do anything to explain it. Mm -hmm. So that's your infinite loop that the game comes into draw, which you may ask, why would you ever want to draw a game? Because it's not a loss. Yeah, drawing is better than losing. Yes. So if we're if we're playing and Matt is for sure going to win next turn, well now nobody wins and I don't lose. Yep. And then you also have this this I win button where I've seen some turn fives and turn sixes where the opponent has you know fifteen power on the board. You're at five life. Oh look, Davril's weathering. Best for luck. Weathering game over. That in my opinion is very unfun magic to be playing, especially in something like standard or historic where you're lacking a lot of the key pieces to shut that down. When you need to. It's almost like you need, I was going to say prismatic ending, but it's not an instant. Prismatic ending, then you, need, <laughs> yeah. you need swords. You need swords to plow shit. Yeah. Yeah. Something like swords or some, you would need instant graveyard interaction. Now, yeah. I was going to say, I've been playing a lot of historic. I basically moved from standard to historic because I have basically zero standard collection after it rotates. And in best of three, I'm not really seeing it at all. 
And I'm guessing because in best of one, you can't sideboard against it. In best of three, it would be very easy to sideboard against and shut down when the entire mm-hmm. deck is built on this interaction. I can, You can nuke graveyards really effectively in Historic. Yeah, if you know you need to. So it's. I think it's kind of terrorizing best of one right now. We'll kind of see what happens. My big fear, and we've talked about this, is they won't ban the cards because a lot of these cards involved are arena-only cards that were, in my opinion, made to be fixed. They will just fix the cards and ruin your deck. Yeah. So if you're going to invest 5, 10, 15 wild cards in this, which we've decided kind of on paper, a wild card is worth between 5 and $8 dollars. Yeah. So you're going to invest, if you built this deck and invested, we'll say, 50 to $80, and they quote-unquote fix Davriel's Withering so it doesn't work with this, congratulations, your deck sucks, and you are out 80 bucks. Yeah, because they're not going to refund any of those wild cards. Exactly. They're going to fix it. Whereas if they ban Brainstorm, which I'd love to see them ban Brainstorm so I can get my wild cards back, I get my cards back, at least a couple of them. Yeah. The other thing that was really interesting on Arena is... I told you about the Book of Exalted Deeds comboing with Faceless Haven. Mm-hmm. So in standard 2022, which is a pre-rotated standard, they're kind of giving people access to because like modern standard kind of sucks. It's kind of a dull format. So we have this like unfinished standard that needs a lot, but people are excited to play it because it's not, you know, Emergent Ultimatum and Throne of Eldraine. It had the Book of Exalted Deeds combo where you could turn Faceless Haven into a angel land because it's all creature types. Spend three mana to basically make it a platinum angel. It turns back into a land, and you're safe. You ca- you cannot win. Or sorry, your opponent cannot win the game, and you cannot lose the game. And in standard 2022, there is no good main boardable land destruction. Mm-hmm. It's also best of one, so there's no sideboarding. So this existed for like two or three days, and they or maybe a week, and they banned it because it's yeah. this super unfun play pattern. Yep, I remember that. Mm-hmm. Uh, for whatever reason, this huge update they put through that put Jumpstart Historic Horizons which kind of trashed the client, like huge match times, having a hard time matching with friends to play certain matches. Like I was trying to play a buddy of mine. We were trying to play a no ban list and you couldn't play unbanned cards even with a direct challenge. There's, It's called a challenge deck where there's no there's no ban list. It wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. It unbanned the Book of Exalted Deeds from standard 2022. <laughs> Guess who's back? <laughs> yeah. And so I don't know how running rampant it is because I don't play that format. But I've seen a couple of videos on YouTube of people being like kind of going crazy about how this is unbanned and it's stupid. And yeah. I saw a Reddit post where because um, a common thing you have with this is people that are trolls. Matt. Yep. This 100 percent would be me. Just so you know, they don't put a way to win in their deck. Yep. They only put ways to not I don't lose need to win. I just need to make you so yeah. miserable. You quit. A person took a picture of his thing and said he downloaded an auto clicker so he could go to bed because <laughs> both of <laughs> because both of them had. Pulled off the Book of Exalted Deeds combo. Neither could win the game. Neither could lose the game. And instead of conceding, he said, fuck you. I'm going to bed and my computer's going to run all night. <laughs> so we're talking about unfun play patterns. And yep. this obviously wasn't intentional. I'm not saying Wizards is twirling their evil mustache laughing yeah. at people. But this, it's, it's a pretty funny mistake. <laughs> it's just like, oops, we ruined the format again. <laughs> not only did we put Splinter Twin in. Into the format, initially, we banned it and then unbanned it by accident and haven't fixed it yet. (laughs) These are the Uh, standards I hold Wizards to, where it's like, Wizards, like you you should be able to fix these things or prevent them from happening. You're a billion-dollar company. Come on, guys. (laughs) It's pretty funny, though. That's good. That's good stuff. I love just, you know, something like that where it's just like... It's not going to have any long-term effects. Mm-hmm. Everybody knows that this is just a bug. But somebody like me can go, guess who's not playing Magic tonight? Everybody who queues with me. <laughs> I hate you so much. The amount that I hate trolls. And my best friend is the trolliest of trolls. You've gone you've gone to paper tournaments with decks that their sole purpose was to, was to draw the game, yep, wasn't it? Just to draw the game, yeah. Not win. And the, just to draw. There was no way to win the game. It was just to draw the game. Just to draw, to create as many draws as possible. Or cast Wrath of God, then Biorhythm. So we both just lose the game. Yeah. you Both of you gain life, or both of your life totals become equal to the number of creatures you have. At the same time. And you have no creatures. So right. it both both of you die immediately at the same yes. time. So, and I don't know how many uh, tournament-savvy people there are here, but when you play in a, quote, best of three, that's you will play a number of games until someone wins that best yeah. of three. In theory, you could draw the game, like if you were doing it quick enough, five or ten times. 
and we're just going to keep playing this until one of us gets a win. Talking about World Gorger Dragon, I've heard of people in like Grand Prix playing World Gorger Dragon Mirrors and going to game seven. Yeah. Because they'll get to turn five or turn four. One person goes, oh, I'm going to lose this game. Draw. Yep. And it's just this like two people staring down the barrel of each other's guns of drawing the game because yeah. I don't want to lose. Right. And it's, oh, let's go to game eight. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Best of three. <laughs> So Wizards is letting that happen and in a comical fashion. Yeah, so. it, it'd be one of those things where, you know, it'd be ridiculous if they knowingly unbanned this card. Yes, and which is there, there's no way they did. I'm this not, was, you know, this was clearly just a goof. Yeah, they was, they kind of trashed their own program with this huge update and they're kind of like scrambling. They're to scrambling get to get it fixed and I'm, yeah. they're fixing it piece by piece. But yep. it's a somewhat once I mean, Innistrad comes out, we're going to get Ghost Quarter or Field of Ruin or something that is a main deckable land destruction that people can start putting in. Yeah. I and that's right really now, all it takes. The best thing we have is like Waking the Trolls, which is a six mana enchantment and or saga and Cleansing Wildfire, which is mm -hmm. a two mana to destroy a land and draw a card. Yeah. Normally a trash card. But that oddly enough, that actually sees some play in popper. You use it on your own indestructible lands and it gets you a land and draws you a card. Oh, wow. That's kind of yep. cool. And then it's also tech against, you know, stuff like Tron decks and yep. whatnot. Yeah, not a terrible card, but in standard 2022, it is a terrible card. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a very niche card. Yeah. It sees play in one format in like two decks. But still kind of interesting. Yeah, yeah it's that's. I was actually surprised to see it. I was looking at those, uh, looking at some lists for popper decks and whatnot, because it's another thing I keep up on. I was like, ooh, what's this? And I look at this red-white deck, and it's kind of like these, uh, in popper, there's Boros Monarch decks that just, they grind really well. Mm -hmm. Like they bounce artifacts in and out of play. They're good. They just draw a million cards. Stuff like that. And then I see those. Do they beat squirrels? Uh, no. Okay. Continue. <laughs> and then I see that. And I was like, oh, that guy is going to nuke his own lands for ramp and draw cards. So I was, it was just one he's, of those things. That's He's playing, um, he's playing Knight of the Reliquary and, uh, Trocare. What's the Flagstones yeah, of Trocare yep. in Popper? Yep. He it, sure is. Flagstones of Trocare is a land that when it goes to the graveyard, you get to go get a land. Yep. So you can use, uh, does Knight of the Reliquary doesn't work with it. No. Well, Elvish Reclaimer well, does. Yeah, Elvish Reclaimer Elvish does. Elvish Reclaimer lets you sack a land to go get a land, and if you sack the Flagstones of you Trocare... You get a second land. You get another Plains. Yeah, it gives you a Plains, and then Elvish Reclaimer gets you a land. It's a yep. way that I've seen Cloud Post decks ramp yep. to get extra lands out. Yeah, and uh, Death and Taxes uses it. Occasionally, you'll see some lists that run Flagstones with uh, Cataclysm. It's, it's hilarious that you're seeing that in Popper. Yep. They found a way to do it in Popper. Yep, life finds a way. Life finds a way. Is there anything else you want to talk about today, Matt? It's kind of a quiet week in Magic. We had, I mean, last week was crazy loud. So I'm, yeah. I'm not surprised that we're going into a quiet yeah. week. I'm sure there's been bigger days in Magic, but last week, that was the, in recent memory there. of one of the most, like, just major announcements that mm -hmm. I've seen in a long time, where it's just like, here's, you know, 10 different things we're doing over the next two years. And it was hit after hit after yeah. hit after hit. Since we brought it up, there were some uh, trolls going around posting uh, potential cards for the Fortnite uh, secret layer. And a couple, one of them was like Ariana Grande. <laughs> yeah. I think you asked me that was real, didn't you? Yeah. Well, the like, thing is, you is got, the got one you. I got, I didn't, I didn't think it was real, but I couldn't confirm or deny it. <laughs> <laughs> That's the, the place is, we're in. The where we're at now is I can't put it past Wizards of the Coast to make Ariana Grande a card. I wasn't terribly upset that she was a card. <laughs> <laughs> I would be. I would absolutely be like, oh, I guess I'm running Mono White Angels now. <laughs> Matt's running Matt's running Grande Tribal. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, I remember that. So that was that was just, you know, funny little stories that it, happened because it, of that it's stuff. not funny that it happened it's funny that you had that thought of like Ooh, is that real is that real because it could be yes it absolutely could be but, well the, when i started to see if it was real the first things that popped up was ariana grande is teaming up with Fortnite. gosh so i was like oh my yep. god those like there's where all of our ips are crossing yeah so i was just like <laughs> it is 100 percent possible for ariana grande to in the future be my commander and that's really all i need to that's all I need to know. Yep. I'm suddenly on board with Fortnite. Oh my gosh. <laughs> all right, guys. I, the secret layer product is for Matt. We, <laughs> yep. we cracked the code. <laughs> Wizards, if you're listening. Secret layer pop stars. Well, obviously, Wizards was listening because we told them, Wizards, if you print Kamigawa in the future, Matt will buy it. Yep. Wizards, Morrow, I know you're there. Ariana Grande <laughs> or Taylor Swift, either one. 
He's flexible. Yep. <laughs> so are they, I'm sure. <laughs> PG-13. Hey, you dropped an F-bomb once. <laughs> Explicit PG-13. Is there anything else you want to talk about in this relatively quiet week of magic? Going forward, we're looking at getting some spoilers on Thursday. So really excited to come in next week and take a first peek at what Midnight Hunt's going to look like. But I think we're wrapping up this episode. Yeah, that should be it. So make sure you follow us on Twitter, our Facebook, Instagram. Um, check us out on Spotify. Yeah, I think we're good. In case you want to know our name on all those accounts, it's Cantrip Cartel. You can also email us at cantripcartel at gmail. They know our name. <laughs> Cantripcartel at gmail.com. Check us out at the Plain Soccer's Podcasting Discord. We have our own channel there. While you're there, check out the Plain Soccer's Podcast. It's a great standard-oriented podcast. Bunch of great guys. I play Commander with them most Wednesdays. Other than that, I think we're going to move on and wrap this up. All right. Have a nice night, guys. Oh, uh, brainstorm holding priority. <laughs> <laughs>